Welcome back to another episode of Teen It Up with CNB, your favorite Metro Detroit sports podcast in the world in Metro Detroit. Back for another episode here, uh, another Tuesday night recording with my co-host. My name is Connor, as always, with my co-host, said it twice in one sentence. Vladdy, what's going on, man? How are you? Exciting week in sports for us um, after the depressing parts of last week with the Michigan win. Yeah, um, I just want to quickly highlight that was um, one of the more entertaining opens I think we've ever had. You sounded like you had a stroke with the amount of times you repeated yourself, but I love it. Maybe you're just so excited. You're still hung over from that big victory on Sunday night. All of America saw it. I mean, I- I'm doing great. We're living in a winter wonderland. It's zero degrees outside at all times. The kids aren't going to school. I- I'm great. I, I-, I can't- How can I not be great? We didn't. We just watched something happen that hasn't happened in 30 years. Uh, I, what am I supposed to say here? I'm doing bad. Oh no, I'm doing amazing. How are you? I will say uh, I don't rock with the cold. I can do the snow all you want. The driving's whatever. People, other people driving is whatever. The cold once it gets below 10 degrees, I don't. I, I don't rock with that. So I I agree. I'm not perfect. I guess you could say. No, I agree uh, with you. It's just like it's just. It's annoying that there isn't any like like even when it's somewhere let's say twenties to thirties the cold is almost like a refreshing somewhat coat yeah, on yeah. you feel like the air is crisper like it's better when you're walking around when it's just that cold that like it's piercing and your skin you feel your skin turning red and you're like and the and the wind is blowing you're like you know what get me inside wherever I need to go but I agree with you um, yeah. But I walked like a quarter of a mile today, and it felt like it was two miles. Yeah, that, that's rough. Um, I was going to say, we're not here to talk about weather. We got sports to talk about. Yes. Yes, we do. So, uh, so we're going to start this episode a little differently than normal. Obviously, there's a lot of NFL to talk about. That's been the bulk of this show for the last four months. Um, it's going to be the bulk of this episode uh, as we're kind of in the hot spot right now. We're going to talk about the week that was in the wild card round and then the division look ahead into the divisional round. Uh, but first we'll cover the regional team, uh, Michigan state basketball, the week that was, uh, since we last recorded a one and one record, uh, you went on the road and lost 71 68 to Illinois. Uh, and then Sunday afternoon, the matinee, uh, a blowout win against Rutgers after a shaky first half. Any thoughts on Michigan State uh, from what we've seen since we last recorded? Um, nothing really that strikes. I, I think it's one and one is what we expected. Um, mm-hmm. Thankfully, it was not a disaster. So in two and I think to, uh, the, to the point that you had made towards the end of the the, the discussion with Michigan State last week was uh, the the schedule opens up. I heard during the Rutgers broadcast that we are favored in the in twelve of the next thirteen games. So it's time for this team to uh, prove that they are a real team, pick up 10 to 11 of those victories, and push for a five seed or higher. So I, I, I'll i let you kind of talk more about the game specifically if you want, but that's just what I have to say about kind of the state of MSU basketball right now. Yeah, it's definitely – you look – after that Illinois loss, you played uh, a very mediocre at-best Rutgers team. Um, and they kind of struggled for much of that game. They went on a 19-0 run with about 10 minutes left. That kind of stealed the deal. I think they ended up winning by about 18 or 19 anyways. Um, and then they, they'll go to – or no, they'll host Minnesota Thursday. 
uh, and they'll go to Maryland Sunday, which are two very winnable and should win games before uh, going to Wisconsin, I believe, then Wednesday after that. And then you host Michigan. So in your next four, it's again, it's three games that you have to win. You should win. Um, I would only say Maryland is really the only one that has a chance at losing personally. Maryland um, over Wisconsin. Isn't Wisconsin a top 12 program in America right now? Uh, sorry. I was, I was kind of counting the three that I think we should win. Ah, uh, okay. That, that was my mistake. Uh, I think you should probably go three and one out of that. Uh, and then you looking, you're 13 and eight. Uh, you're probably pretty firmly back into a, a for sure playoff spot. I've seen, I don't know, you look at Joe Lenardi's thing and he still has this as like an eight or nine seed. And then you look at some of the graphics I saw on like uh, CBS and FS1 uh, and it had us as a last four in at this point. Um, I, I mean, 10, is, 10 and seven is kind of going to do that. Uh, as far as the week that was, the Illinois game, uh, while there was a lot to complain about, I mean, you can't get too mad about a road loss that you were in, except for the fact you were up by six points with six minutes left and blew it. Uh, it was a classic, which is the story of this team, and it feels like you're saying, a, or I'm just like running a broken record here, is they'll go on these runs like they did against Rutgers, like they did in the first, end of the first half against Illinois, where they can't miss. Tyson Walker's hitting fadeaway jump shots. Hogard's actually hitting jump shots. Molly Call's got that fadeaway working, uh, and they'll go on those runs, and then they'll go on these runs for almost half a half at some points. And this is what happened at the end of the Illinois game, where you you look around the floor and you go, who's going to get a basket? Because I don't feel confident anybody getting a basket right now. And it's all iso ball again, and it's four shots. Uh, and when they're not falling, they're not falling. And those kind of concave. And that's what you saw again at the end of the Illinois game. Uh, it was frustrating because they had a lot of specifically Hogard who played really well in that game, had a lot of nice looks, especially in the first half at the rim that he just didn't finish. You think of some of those fall, they get the win there. Um, I don't know. That, that's a good Illinois team. I think the biggest takeaway I really had was watching the Illinois game specifically is how much bigger, faster and stronger they were. They were just like better athletes. And it looked like, I don't want to say like NBA style against like old college style in that, like they kind of have the big, what's his face Hawkins. Um, oh, who's yeah. a big six ten guy that can shoot. They have the, the white kid, Damask, who's a transfer fifth year transfer that can shoot the rock anywhere. Um, he's also like a six, 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 seven plays like a two guard. Um, they just got modern basketball players and Michigan state kind of looks like they don't, White have the athletes to hang with a team like that right now uh, or to compete with the team like that right now, I will say. So the Rutgers game, I didn't, I didn't get to watch much of it. I saw the 19 and 0 run. I saw Steve Izzo get his first career points. I wanted what to a way that. to do it. Yeah. That was uh took the guy. ISO ball, nice little, little crossover and yeah, kind of crossed him up. No, I was going to say, uh, I don't know if you remember in the video, as soon as he do hits the crossover, you get a nice little gasp from the crowd, which only happens when you when you got him you got him on his shoes. And mm -hmm. thankfully for the defenders, Steven Izzo's five six on a good day, so he can recover easily and still contest a shot. Didn't matter, little loop de doop bouncing around the rim like it's pumping up and falls down for one of the louder crowd reactions I've ever seen. Up by nineteen with thirty seconds left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And he made the free throw, which I put an exclamation point on it. Three so. career points. That's that's yeah. the goal right there. But no, now, do you think if you got 43 appearances in Michigan State games, do you think you could score three points? I mean, it depends on how many times he shot the ball. Like, if, if I know we were talking, or you were talking about this, 43 appearances is cool and all, but if in those 43 appearances you only put up two shots, how are we supposed to make fun of the guy? I would guess he's put up anywhere from 15 to 20 shots. I would hope I could ha- have one just kind of fall in there, but I don't know. I've also never necessarily been guarded by someone who's just exponentially more athletic than me. Right. Just some six, yeah, seven. Usually, I'm usually playing my friends in a backyard game, and I have I have my shot at the, against beating them and an athlete off, but it's a little different when you've got an actual dude on scholarship who's probably, like you say, tall enough to have to duck under regular doors, wears a size 14 shoe, and jumps out of the building. So I can't tell you that. that, that that's, yeah. that's a tough uh, that's a tough ask. I'd love to say yes. I'm I'm a great shooter when I'm not tired and no one's guarding me and I'm stationary. And no one's watching. But, yeah, but in the game, it's a little different. <laughs> so yeah. what are you going to do? Uh, yeah, so I guess to put a bow on the Michigan State talk, the schedule opens up. It's the same thing that you've said all year long is consistency. Seems like we get different efforts from different guys every night. Um if they're consistent, I don't know, man. I still think this is a top fifteen team in America when they if, oh, when wow. they when they're consistent. I just you got to be consistent to actually be one of those teams, though, and they're just not. So, I guess we'll see. Um, we'll let the schedule play itself out. How do we want to go? Do we want to talk about the games, or do we want to talk about the coaching openings? I feel like the games is probably better. Yeah, I like the games. Uh, so we'll get into the playoffs. Let's just go chronological order is kind of how I had them written down. All right, Texans-Browns. Texans-Browns. Uh, Texans win big. A bit of a surprise for many, I think. C.J. Stroud becomes the first rookie quarterback to win a playoff game since 2009. Could you guess who that quarterback was? Hold on a second. That's not possible. Andrew Luck took the Colts home to a playoff game. Home oh, home playoff game. 2009, is that Flacco? Nope. Matt Ryan? It's It's a pretty obscure one. Tim it's Tebow? Not a team you would think about being in the playoffs. It's not Tim Tebow? No. Or he was after 09. Um, probably, it, it's, I don't think it's the Jags. Is it? I have no idea. It's uh, Mark Sanchez with the Jets. Oh, those hey, those teams were great. Yeah. Weren't, weren't they back-to-back AFC titles with, with Rex Ryan? Yep. Yeah. Darrell like, Revis days. Revis Island. Yeah. Didn't they yep. have also the end of uh, Ladanian Tomlinson's career too? Yeah, they had another guy, another big corner. I can't remember his name. Oh, I I can see him. Cromarty, Cromarty, Antonio Cromarty, Antonio or, Dom, or, or Dominique Rogers Cromarty, because Antonio was on the Chargers for the longest time. I don't know. If Dominique Rogers. It was it was Cromarty, one of the Cromartys. I think it was Antonio. Dominique Rogers, but okay. in any case, that's that's crazy. Um, to the game. Yeah. But I guess to talk about the game specifically, the Texans are absolutely box office to watch. Um, yeah. That offense has outrageous big playability with the kind of the rapport that Nico Collins and CJ Stroud have already built up. The defense can make stops when they need to. Um, and the first half of the game was great. And then the second half of the game obviously was a blowout. There's not much you can do about it. Just a couple pick sixes will do that to you. Yeah, back to but, back. Yeah, no, and it's weird because 
I what I love seeing about this in I don't know if this is a testament to Stroud himself or maybe just the situation that he finds himself where he has a line that's good enough to actually keep him alive, whereas maybe other rookie quarterbacks don't. But I love that the Texans actually let him throw it down the field. It's not this, oh, my God, he's a rookie. We're going to protect him with a bunch of short passes and dump offs and we're going to build his confidence. No, it's CJ Stroud. I need you to throw it 45 yards into a bucket to Nico Collins streaking down the field because that's what we're going to do. And I love how they do that. I, I don't know if it's the situation because you know what? Laramie Tunsil took Miles Garrett, put him in a sack, and just said, you're going nowhere today. That was – Miles Garrett might be the front runner for defensive player of the year, and I don't think anyone called his name because Laramie Tunsil was that good. So that's where I want to – I do want to mention the situation. You look around, Bryce Young was running for his life. Some of the other rookies maybe just couldn't do that, but – it's so much fun to watch. I'll be rooting for them against Baltimore this upcoming weekend, but it, it's great. Um, and I guess the last thing that I'll have to say is that's kind of big for the Texans draft position as well, because they traded their own first round pick to Arizona when trading up for Will Anderson last year and kept the Browns. And then they just knocked the Browns out, ensuring that that is a go. better pick for themselves than the one they sent. There you go. Yeah, I think the only thing I have to add on is I was just very surprised that you mentioned Miles Garrett, and I think that's you could say the same for the Browns defense in general. It was one of the best in the leagues this year. Yep. And CJ Stroud kind of had his way 270 yards, only through five incompletions. Um, they ran the ball effectively. Uh, I, who knew Devin Singletary was actually a good football player? You wouldn't have guessed it when he was in Buffalo. Um, and then, I mean, you mentioned the pick sixes. The game's over. You throw pick sixes back to back drives, you're not yep. winning a game. So I guess you could say the Flacco mania kind of wore off because at least that first one was he was getting hit and he just kind of seemed like he just threw the ball. Yeah, the honestly the, the second one wasn't necessarily great either. He just stared no, at the receiver down. He, yeah, that was missed, a, that yeah. was a very very like I don't want to say rookie quarterback move, but that was a youngster who doesn't have the he. You watch the play the entire time he's just looking up, waiting for his guy to break, and yeah. the linebacker just never saw him. He, he broke faster and touchdown Texans. Game over. Stroud's not coming back in the game. And I, the last thing I just want to say is, remember back in July when we were looking at early mock drafts and everyone said Arizona was going to be picking one and two? Yeah. And they had the Texans pick and everyone's like, oh, this team's a dumpster fire. Well, that's crazy. Um, so, like, what was the turnaround specifically? I know Laramie Tunsil is turning one to one of the best tackles in football. He's, our, he's uh, always been one of the best tackles in football. He's not. He just doesn't get the recognition because his team's always been trash. Right. Um, but other than that, like it felt like just last year, Davis Mills was running for his life in that offense. Is it how can it just purely be the core? I know quarterback is still the most position, most important position in football, but how can it be such a turner? I guess. Um, I know they took an interior lineman, Juice Scruggs. I don't know if he's been good or not, but I think it's a couple of things where if you have a passer maybe that you have to respect a little bit more than a Davis Mills. I think you change the way your defense has to approach and maybe it's not a, oh, we just get to send five because we know he can't make the one-on-one -on -one throw. But the other part is I think just so much of that swagger's changed where I think they've got the um was it is it Bobby Slownick? I forget his last name, but they've got the they've got the new offensive coordinator, new head coach. I think it's it's just an entire different culture. I mean, we know what that's like here. It just so happens the Texans did it faster than we did. Right. So, the, I, 
Love Stroud. Love watching him. Um, we'll be a really entertaining game on Saturday or Sunday. I forget when. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into those after we get through yep. the week was here. Uh, the night game Saturday. Uh, the Peacock game. Uh, the hundred and ten million dollar game. I like to call it. Uh, Chiefs Dolphins. Uh, Chiefs win twenty six seven. Negative thirty degrees with the wind chill was too cold to play football. I'm sorry. Uh, there there is something. I'm actually gonna counteract my point at the beginning or, or later on um, when I get to the Dolphins, but man, that looked painful, especially to be a fan for. Yeah, there there was no fun there. Um, I actually, it's kind of funny. I thought that the extreme cold, obviously we all know what the Dolphins are and what they're not. I yep. thought just because of how cold it was, it might help them a little bit more in the sense that nobody trains to play for negative 30 degree weather. That, that doesn't happen because it's not natural weather. So I thought that maybe they could take some solace in that, but I was completely wrong. Um, they were pathetic. The whether it was they didn't trust two enough to throw it or whatever, the the play calling was terrible. There was no downfield throwing. There was no middle field throwing. It was just a bunch of screens and dump offs. The run game couldn't get started, which is a little odd because you get Mostert back. You have HN. I would have thought that they could at least get something going, but they never could. And this was probably. I'm just going to quickly run through. This was probably the worst game of all in terms of the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I just kind of wrote down to his arm versus Mahomes' arm in the cold weather because Mahomes looked relatively unfazed with his with his actual throws that he made. Yes. Where Tua looked like he was throwing change-ups the whole game, quite frankly. They looked like butter balls. Even the Tyree touchdown, their only real offense of the game. Their, their only offense of the game. Yeah. Uh, not even real. Um, was this like floater that was in the air forever that he had to come back like three yards for? So I was unimpressed. Two is now 0 and 9 below freezing, so below 32 degrees. He's 0 and 9. Yep, uh, not a good stat. I know he's from Hawaii and then played college football in Alabama. So, uh, and that I mean, it's not even just a two thing, that's a Dolphins thing. They can't be that sometimes stereotypes and storylines are so used and true that they just have to play out right like no it felt like the dolphins all you say is candy ass can't play in the cold won't win a playoff game and what happened they were exactly what everyone thought they would be no and i guess i I always i always try to try and simplify that is stereotypes exist for a reason you don't get stereotyped if you don't do the same thing over and over and over and over and over again so yeah yeah um what are you the only do? other thing I had uh, was the cold. I, I saw a lot of, online about like how it wasn't fair, that how cold it was. Basically, it was like, well, they both played in it. Yeah, what, what well, fair about what? So, so I saw a bunch of stuff of, of, of how cold weather is essentially just a gimmick, and how it really doesn't actually like play out or see who the best team is. But like in this case, the Dolphins choked for the last five weeks. Oh, they yeah. had a chance to not play in Kansas City, to play oh, yeah. in Miami in week 18. Yeah. And they didn't do it. Or 17, or 16, or 15. Right. And the other part that's funny is, or if Kadarius Tony doesn't line up off sides, they're playing at home. Right. Because that would have been an extra loss for the Bills. But, yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, they have they, – they've, they've shown their ass, if you will. Uh, they are who they are. If you can't play a game in the warm weather when – when, when it matters, 
no one's ever going to pick him again. And it'll be up to them to ever change that narrative. We'll see if it happens. Yeah, and to close out on this game, the Chiefs, uh, Rashi Rice has a nice game. It'd be, it'll be interesting next week and beyond if the Chiefs can pull out the a win in Buffalo uh, on Sunday night. If he's got his receiver now, and that's been the problem the whole year, late in the year with the way the defense has played all year and even this past Sunday or Saturday, look out for the Chiefs to do it again. Absolutely. Awesome. And uh, I'll, I'll kind of just I'll, I'll bring something when we talk about the matchups later. But yeah, completely agree. Rashi Rice has been a very, very good rookie. He kind of dispelled the narrative that Andy Reid hates rookies that a bunch of the Sky Moore lovers were like, oh, it's a tough offense. No, maybe you just have to be a good football player. Yeah. But moving. Do we want to move on to the game that was supposed to be played Sunday morning or, or Sunday early game? Or should we just keep it going with actual how it happens? Uh, whatever you want, man. Yeah, let's let's just go with that. Um, Packers, Cowboys. We'll 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 save the other one for later. Um, <laughs> this this is so funny because you look at the final scoreline and that it, it's kind of impressive to lose by sixteen at home and still have it do justice to your team. That they lost by forty. Yeah. Then garbage time showed up and it finally turned into a respectable, even though it's not respectable, you're favored by seven at home and you lose by 16. Sean Clifford so, played quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. The game yeah, was over. That, that, said, that says all that you need to know is if Sean Clifford got into a playoff game, that's tough. Um, I guess I'll start on the Packers side. I think this is the first time all season they've had all of their preferred uh, weapons healthy. That goes for tight ends, receivers, um, I'll even throw running backs in there. I know A.J. Dillon was hurt, but A.J. Dillon is addition by subtraction. He is a terrible running back whose only skill is I have big quads and I will run into you. He's got terrible vision, bad cutting bad cutting ability, doesn't necessarily catch passes well. And kind of fat. I mean, that's just part of the build. Like I understand like he, he's kind of the Jamal Williams bowling ball type guy, and there is a use for that type of guy, but the issue is because he's on your team, because he's healthy, it takes touches away from Aaron Jones, who's a real playmaker, and it gives him to a dude who knows halfback dive, two yards, fall forward, two and a half yard game. That's all AJ Dillon. Knows. Mm-hmm. So that was massive for them. That team looks dangerous. Jordan Love, how do they keep getting away with it? He looks like a legitimate, not just league average QB. He looks like a legitimate good to great quarterback in, in football. And it's how do they keep pulling it off? These guys, that franchise. I don't know. I still think like the like the to jump and say, oh, looks like we have our third Hall of Famer. Like I'm still not. I'm not saying he's a Hall of Famer, but that. he looks like a legit quarterback. Yeah. But I mean, talk about the other guy on the other side of the field. I have never seen a quarterback who was in the MVP candidate race the entire season, look, I mean, he had the yips. Like, he was missing basic passes that he makes in his sleep. Yeah, he he could not get on the same page as CeeDee Lamb. Yeah. And that actually, I I think, no, and what was funny is the pick six, I think was a direct result from that where they probably sat there and and after one of the completions told themselves, hey, man, we got to get you into the game. We got like, we got to get you involved. Because on that interception, we talk about Joe Flacco staring a guy down. Dak Prescott stared CeeDee Lamb down on the pick six because yeah. he probably thought to himself, oh, I'm the, I need to get the ball to my playmaker. And, yeah, you got it to the playmaker, just the playmaker is wearing different colors. Um, 
Nothing really changed in the second half. Again, uh, I understand the score was closer, but that doesn't mean the game was close at all at any given point. Um, you hate to see it. You hate to see the Dallas Cowboys lose that kind of game at home. Um, Again. Yeah, I loved I loved every second of this. Um, I don't know. what My biggest, like, thought was just, like, what – where else do you go from here? Because it's the same – Shit, every year for what? Five years now? Six I mean, years now? I would, yeah, I would say since. I mean, you could argue, you could argue since the nineties. Yeah, yeah. I, I think what I would personally do, and what they will do, are two different things. Um, I think, I think Mike McCarthy has to get fired. Um, well, like I, it's, I don't how, like how much can you put on him? Oh, okay, but well, perfect example then. If we're if we're not gonna blame Mike McCarthy for the defense giving up, if we want to say that's Dan Quinn's fault, okay, cool. And then if we want to turn around and say, oh, well, it's Dak Prescott's fault that the offense yeah. can do, then what's the point of having Mike McCarthy? I if, agree. If I'm not allowed to put any liability on the head coach for getting his team ready and consistently not getting his team ready, what is he there for? He's fat Jason Garrett. He he claps. Yeah. He's he's one headset away from being Brady Hoke. He doesn't do anything. Oh, that's not – that's a stretch. He called the offense for a lot of this year. Okay. So, so I'm mean, cool. Uh, I just I don't I don't know how you do that. Then okay. Then what what do you do? Do you get rid of Dak Prescott because you? You're I, just I mean no. So but like I, I just think like he. So I agree. I think he's got to be. He's he's going to be the guy to go. But like I think it's mar- the the blame game is only there should only be marginal blame given to Mike McCarthy. He's just in the position that you fire when there needs to be blame dished out. Because you can't get rid of Dak. I mean, you had a top defense all year in Dan Quinn, and he gives up a 50-burger to Jordan Love. Yeah, that was that was crazy. I, again, I, I, I know what you're saying, but I don't want to just sit here and say, well, get rid of all of them. Because, I mean, a full reset, maybe that is needed. Maybe you do need to sit there, bottom out for a year and a half, get younger because they are starting to hit that Philadelphia age where they are starting to get older and relying on a Stephon Gilmore who's 800. Zach Martin and Tyron Smith are not young pieces anymore. I mean, Tony Pollard, I think he kind of had a pretty big fall from grace. I, I'm not yeah. saying it's I'm not saying it's just just Mike McCarthy, but if you cannot get your team ready to play, you should not be a head coach, and they're not ready to play. Last yeah. year we saw what happened in San Francisco. We see yeah. what happens here. It's just you're not ready to play. So you really think they should blow it up? I mean, if you look at that division now, like the what the what the Eagles did yesterday, and you mentioned their age, they're even older than the Cowboys. You are pro you could perhaps be looking at a team with three a divi- sorry, a division with three teams picking in the top ten that's not called the Dallas Cowboys. No, I, I mean, I, I'm not necessarily saying you, you should blow up. I'm just saying, like, if, if you can't just, like, where do you want to go? Your options yeah. are you fire the coach, you can the quarterback, which they're not going to do because Jerry Jones is in love with him, or you start all of it. Because, like you just say, when things go wrong, the most important pieces get scrutinized. That's quarterback, that's coach. So yeah. if we're not getting rid of one of them, and we're not getting rid of the other, or then, we're, then we're getting rid of none of them, or we're getting rid of all of them. Those are your only options. 
it's it's just so interesting because it seems like it's the same conversation we had with Miles Garrett at the end. Literally the same conversation. And they let Mary Miles Garrett stick around a lot longer than three seasons. You mean Jason Garrett? Jason Garrett, sorry. Yeah. I, I yeah. was very confused where you're going with that for a second. But yeah, and I don't maybe maybe you find a maybe you find a guy who isn't a, a, a clapping vibes guy. Maybe you get Bill, I don't check. Yeah. We'll talk about that, but yeah. Maybe you get a guy that maybe the locker room I don't want to say something stupid, but truly respects for their accomplishments. I mean, yeah, Mike McCarthy won a Super Bowl in Green Bay. Mike McCarthy was also directly responsible for only winning a Super Bowl in Green Bay and not winning multiple. So, I don't know. I just, it, it, it's it's the classic Cowboys. We'll do this again next year when they lose to another team in the playoffs at home. And it's the circle of life. Until something changes, stereotypes exist for a reason. Stereotypes exist for a reason, but they're also meant to be broken, and that's what happened in this next game when a stereotype that the Detroit Lions could not win a playoff game was broken. And for the first time in 34 years, the Lions win a playoff game. Lions 24, Rams 23. The Stafford comeback was foiled, and the Lions are live to fight another day. Yeah, I mean, I don't even necessarily know where to start. Um, the first half, wildly entertaining. Second yeah. half turns into a battle of just defense. I think there's what only three field goals kicked. We had one, they had two. That was yep. the second half. I think it's kind of poetic that after an entire season of not kicking, Dan Campbell brings out the dude for a 54-yarder and he just drills it. I loved every second of it. I think every decision Dan made was the correct one. Um, I guess the only really, the only other big one of the game was the the fourth and one go for it at the goal line. Penalty, I think the penalty at the end um, to force him to go back ten yards and play third down instead of keep him in field goal range. Oh yeah, that was really the only other decision he had to make. Yeah. Um, I I think the 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 de- the, the 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 difference in the game was pretty simple. Detroit Lions, three red zone possessions, touchdowns. Yeah. Los Angeles Rams, three red zone possessions, field goals. Not much more to say there. Yep. We've I mean, we've said this before in the past with college when we're looking at kind of the big teams playing each other. You're not going to win with three points playing against a good team. You're not going to, especially on the road. And I think the defense deserves so much credit for a team or for a for a unit that I specifically and a lot of people around Michigan have specifically bashed all season. Kudos to them. Um, I do want to say one thing: massive kudos to the fans. That was that was what that was the loudest playoff game I've ever heard on TV. Um, from everyone who was there, they said the same thing that it was just an atmosphere that no one's ever seen before. I mean, you you want to talk about ticket prices. You want to talk about how early people are getting into the stadium. The, the, the perfect example is this. The L.A. Rams had to waste two of their timeouts in the first 16 minutes of the second half. So when we get the ball back and we basically need two first downs to kill the game, 
they only had one timeout to stop us. And yep. the reason we only needed two first downs to stop the game or one first down to stop the game was because the fans got the Rams to waste two timeouts when they just couldn't hear anything, couldn't get plays set, and wanted to save five yards on a pulse on a delay of game penalty. It was it was incredible. They held Kyron Williams to 60 yards. I know he missed some time in the second half with injury. Now, the, maybe the last thing I want to say before turning it over, or two things I want to say before turning it over to you, highlight Jared Goff. Um, I don't know if you saw the statistic, 22 of 22 for 277 yards and a touchdown when not pressured. Now, I know we like to make fun of how he has no ability to get out of the pressure, and if you touch him, he falls down, and we kind of saw that a couple yeah. times in the game where he just fell down. But when he was not pressured, he was literally perfect. And the second thing was, I loved the play calling on the last drive. I loved the fact that it wasn't the typical conservative run, 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 just to guaranteed waste some clock. I love how they sat there and said, you're the offense. You, We have ridden you the entire season. Throw the ball, get me two first downs, and let's go play next Sunday at home. I loved it. Yeah, I would argue, though, the only thing that frustrated me with that was that was not how much of the second half was called. It was a little t- it was a little run, 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 punt uh, at times down the stretch in the second half, and they didn't necessarily run the ball well at all in the second half after running the ball really well. We were getting 9, 10 yards of carry yep. in the first half. Um, so that was really – I mean, that's really the only thing you can look at and truly criticize – uh, you make a great point with the defense and the red zone stops turning into field goals. I mean, it's just the classic Aaron Glenn defense, Ben, but don't break. And it turns out that wins you playoff games. Hey, he's the number one coordinator in the league. Yep. Uh, as far as the Rams, uh, you, again, highlighted the importance of having timeouts at the end of the game. Um, maybe not wasting them on five yards on kind of meaningless third down spots. That's a McVay problem. Um and I also didn't understand – I don't know. Uh, it was fourth and I think 11 on that last drive when he decided to punt it. Yeah. Uh, I would have gone for it. Agreed. The Lions hadn't really moved the ball much at all in the second half, aside from maybe some outlying drives. Uh, and they were still, I believe, on like the 45-ish. So you still were another, I don't know, 15, 20 yards to field, field goal position. If they got that first down, it was over either way. If you didn't get it on fourth, so why does it? Why would that first down theoretically matter? Um, you you got to stop them regardless of where you're at in the field. So I would have gone for it and tried to keep the game going. I I, com- I completely agree with you there, and I'm pretty sure that those are situations that we've bashed other coaches in the past, namely Dan Campbell with certain things of like, hey man, just like just do 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 this. It, it's the obvious answer. I think you're completely right. And it's kind of like what I just said about the Lions at the end icing the game. Look, the Rams this year were not a vintage defense. You know, they've got some cool young pieces, Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald. But the reason they were winning games was because Matthew Stafford found his form again. Puka Nakua put up the greatest rookie wide receiver season ever. And Cooper Cup, although he is grossly regressed after the injuries, he's still a fantastic receiver. So that I don't know why they took the ball out of his hands. That was my next comment is I didn't realize Puka Nakua was that good. I didn't, I didn't watch a ton of the Rams this year. He obviously goes for 180 yards and a touchdown. He was spectacular, and it felt like the Lions did not have an answer for him. No, they didn't. Um, I think a couple of things. So, obviously, he set pretty much every rookie receiving record. Um, 
But I do think a little bit of that was buoyed by the fact that Cooper Cup did miss a lot of time. And I don't know if you kind of remember the first couple games of the season. He was getting that classic Cooper Cup stat line of 20 targets on 15 receptions. It's like, well, that's just not normal because there was nowhere else to go. And honestly, though, kudos to him because you still have to earn those 15 targets again. You have to you have to show off enough in camp, especially as a fifth round guy. Like he wasn't guaranteed some roster spot. You have to sit there and build enough rapport with your quarterback to do so. And he was sensational. Um, I think the the giving up that many yards, I think that's kind of funny because this is pretty much the fourth week in a row where we've given up 150-plus to a star receiver <laughs> on the other team. And yeah. We just don't let him score touchdowns, so it works out in our favor. <laughs> it's amazing. But, yeah. It's, right. Yeah, we're gonna we'll talk about the the upcoming game um this this weekend. This I wanted this weekend. one more note. I th- can you hear me now? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, I I did want to not really a game thing, but talk talk about Stafford in general and coming back to Ford Field. Um. I I don't know the booze. I think were fair, and I don't blame Detroit for doing it. It was a playoff game. He's the enemy at the same time. I also didn't think they were the most necessary thing in the world. It's been three seasons now since he's been here. It wasn't like there was really any bad blood or any vendetta for him leaving. I think a lot of it was self-made by Detroit fans. Um, So I kind of, I guess, moral of the story, I was indifferent to the booing. Uh, And then there's comments after the game or his lack of comments after the game and kind of blatantly ignoring the question asked when, uh, asked if he felt happy for the city of Detroit or the people of Detroit. And he just blatantly kind of ignored it and said he was happy for the players. Um, I thought that was pretty lame. Not as big of a deal as people made it out to be and as personal as people made it out to be. I think, I don't really think that was the intention. Because uh, I, while I do think it's lame and there's a much better way to answer that question to not piss a lot of people off, he also like doesn't really owe you an answer at that point, in my opinion, for a lot of Detroit fans. Again, it's no. been three seasons. He didn't wasn't like he he was just kind of here. Now we're going to get into the Stafford debate on where he falls all time, which I don't want to do. But he didn't win anything for you. He didn't no. win a Super. He didn't vehemently leave while the team was on top because he hated you guys. He left to go win a Super Bowl because he was in the later stages of career, his career and you guys were starting a full-on rebuild that he would have never been a part of. And like I said, it's been time now and I don't think he owes Detroit fans 100%. I love Detroit answer like they were expecting. I think that's a little irrational by Detroit fans, some of the Detroit fans that really hated the answer. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't even really see it until other people brought it up, and I don't necessarily care for it. That's the kind of drama that I try not to talk about, just because it it is it's drama. It's not play. It's not storylines. It's it's stupid. Like you said, should he have been booed that loudly? Probably. Guess what? You're on the other team, man. You're right. you came in there to kill us, and we wanted to kill you. Okay, cool, done. And the other side, and like, and I will agree on the other side, where it's like. He doesn't know an answer. His season just ended. He's pissed. Why should he say anything? He's just getting baited by media. Right. And I, it's, Super actually funny. No, it's, it's actually funny. I'll talk about this later when we talk about uh, Mr. Saban. But the media knows what they're doing when they ask these bullshit questions. Why should he answer? 
I can I could I I love what he did in the sense that it's just like screw you, I'm not I'm not answering your stuff. Right. So yeah, I, I don't have much more to say about that because I don't have much to do. But um on Monday, um Bill Steelers, Bills go up quickly, Steelers come back and make it close, quote unquote, by score line, even though the game was never in doubt. Um no. the, the Bills are a an absolute wagon right now. Shout out to Josh Allen. He's been playing sensationally and he limits the turnovers. The sky is the limit for him. I don't really have too much to say about this game. This was probably the one I watched the least. So if you have much to say, I'll, I'll, I turn it over to you. If not, we move on to the next one. It, I watched maybe like six plays in this game. Um, okay, I wasn't quite that bad, but it was just... <laughs> it's kind of, uh, it was kind of a... I was going to say, I'm sorry. This was a terrible, super duper wild card weekend. There was only one game yeah. that was actually good. Right. Yeah. And it was the Lions game. Yeah. yeah. I agree. It was a stinker. Uh, I don't know. It's like, I didn't think the Steelers really, it was one of those games where it's funny because I didn't think the Packers have had a chance and they won big. I didn't think the Steelers had a chance either and they lost big. Uh, the Bills are exactly who we thought they would be come this time of year. No matter what they did in the regular season, they won their last five to get here. Okay, they hold on. Not the Steelers. Hold on, I'll I'll call myself out. I was sitting there thinking they might be push they might be pushing for a playoff spot because their schedule did really pick up. You remember the Kansas City game, the game against Miami at the end? They were sitting at six and six. There was no guarantee that they were making playoffs. So if and I thought you were right there with me and No, 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 that's not what I'm well. saying. Uh, so what I'm saying is I'm more. I should have I should have better explained myself. In the off season, this is exactly where we saw the Bills being okay. in January. I like uh, I like the mental gymnastics more, so we can come just, out as right. I like Yep. And and, and <laughs> kind of getting into despite what they did this season, where people kind of thought they were out, us included, six and six. They won their last five to get here. They're heating up and they're playing and looking like the Bills team we thought they would be, uh, despite you know, mediocre points at this point at the at, at parts of this season. Yeah, and I mean, I think the the thing that makes them a lot more dangerous this year than years past is James Cook, and they actually trust him yeah. to run the ball. Before it was, hey, man, like, here's Zach Moss, here's Devin Singletary, which is funny because both of which, once they left Buckle, actually look like really, not really, really good, but they look like good NFL running backs. Yeah. And they just never gave him a chance. They never let them actually, they never let, they never let them ride the running game. And can't run the ball in the playoffs. You're not going to win many games. But we'll, again, we'll, we'll get to, to their kind of uh, behemoth showdown. Um, getting to the last game of the of the weekend, the dysfunctional Eagles versus the the hey we're happy to be here because we won the NFC South uh, Bucks. The um, the hey we're happy to be here Bucks pulled through. And let me I say pulled through. They kicked the shit out of the Eagles. Yeah. Eagles could not move the ball. Um, I will also highlight though, no AJ Brown. Yes. Uh, what's his face? Jalen Hurts looks like he was playing with multiple injuries. I'm sure it'll be one of those stories where at the end of the season, it's like, oh yeah, he's getting surgery for three things no one knew he was dealing with because he he did not look right. He couldn't move. He couldn't throw. Not that he can usually throw, but that's for. He didn't look right all season. No, yeah, he just it didn't look good. Um, you, I mean. I'm trying to be I'm trying to be nice here. The defense completely fell apart and talking about the Cowboys and what you love to see, 
you love to see Matt Patricia take over something on a team and torpedo it. For the second year in a row, this dude has showed up to an organization and he's butchered what he was supposed to do. I'm not even sure how he got the second gig in Philadelphia because I understand he goes back to Philadelphia. Bill Belichick's his father figure and believes in him. But becoming the offensive coordinator of the of the Patriots and pretty much killing all of Mac Jones' development, followed by somehow becoming some special senior defensive assistant in the Eagles, taking over play calling duties the middle of the season and immediately making your defense worse. Prime Matt Patricia, and I love every second of it. The dude's a bum, and it's going to be incredible to know that someone who's that bad at his job can still get jobs because that gives me confidence that no matter how bad I ever get at my job, someone somewhere might give me a paycheck and say, hey, man, we need you to do something for us. He is pathetic and a disgrace to football. I love that. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I kind of thought the Eagles, just because I don't know if I'm like blinded by like the Jason Kelsey and the Kelsey Rama stuff that like you knew this was going to be his one last go at it. They obviously have a lot of other veterans on this team and they were going to come back hungry after making the Super Bowl. Uh, that I always thought, even as they struggled down the stretch, that this was a veteran team that had been there and would figure it out and get up and hungry for a playoff run. And they just simply looked like they had the last three weeks coming into the playoffs. There's no if ands, or buts. The offense looked discombobulated. The secondary, which had kind of been their bugaboo all season, was horrible. Maker Mayfield. Oh, my them. God. James Bradbury. Can I get you a map? <laughs> yeah, you looked uh, he looked like a little lost there. He looked like he was on the Fortnite map uh, and couldn't find the circle where the storm was going to be. So <laughs> I love that from you. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, that was bad. Um, kind of mentioned the continuation of the injuries. Uh, I was going to say Julio. Julio Jones goes out with a concussion, and they were pretty much left with Devontae Smith and Devontae Smith only, so it became a little bit easier for the Buccaneers to play defense, and because they were leading the entire time, the Eagles could never establish the run, which pretty much killed them. And then from the, um, the other part to the defense is, we, we talk about the secondary being bad in terms of coverage. That entire defense decided to think that it was a big 12 game tackling became optional for them you had missed tackles broken tackles stupid arm tackles it was just a pathetic pathetic performance from a defense that was so so good a year ago and it turns into just this disaster performance of I mean, you even, and this is what I love because usually American commentators are polite and they try not to make fun of people they they were ripping on the Eagles for their lack of tackling. It was so much fun to watch. Yeah, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman kind of let it fly now. They know they're cemented in their spot. They obviously have the big deals with ESPN now for Monday night. And it, it's I've kind of feels like they're a little more raw on the air now than they maybe were five to ten years ago. Um, that's just a, a random observation off your comment there, but I've never really seen hated- I've never really hated Joe Buck the way others have, but I I enjoy Joe personally, actually. But it's just I know Tony Romo had another rough game uh, Saturday or Monday too. A lot of people were very unhappy with him. Uh, that's just par for the course at this point. Um, the other one thing I wanted to talk about with this game is Nick Sirianni. Uh, Philly fans really turning on him. They want him gone. 
it turns out when you're not winning, his corny little shtick gets really old really fast. Uh, and I could imagine a 35-year-old Jason Kelsey or like a Lane Johnson or a Brandon Graham in that locker room really just getting sick and tired of like his like very cheesy message uh, and seeing right through it. So I don't know where you go from here on his. I don't know. I, I actually think you you kind of chastised me for saying Mike McCarthy deserves to maybe have a job next year. I would rather see Nick Sirianni fire than Mike McCarthy. I'll actually agree with you because I'll, and I, I think part of it is this is, I think the Eagles are finally in a situation where it might turn into, hey, this old guard, it's time to let you go. I know we know Jason Kelsey is officially retired or said he's officially retiring. Obviously, you mentioned Lane Johnson, his cheating right tackle buddy of the last 15 years. You mentioned Fletcher Cox. You mentioned Brandon Graham. I just think it might be one. It might be time for them to say, look at all of them and say, hey, thank you for your service. We got it done six years ago. We couldn't get it done last year. It is time for us to move forward. And that starts with a cleaning of house with coaching staff, and it continues with the cleaning house of the players. But you still have a franchise quarterback in Jalen Hurts. You have a yeah, young but- A.J. Brown. You have a young Devontae Smith. You have uh, on that defensive line, you have young pieces uh, like Jalen Carter. Like, I, I don't know. Like, Is it a complete rebuild or is it No, well, I'm not like saying – I'm just saying get rid of the old guard. How yeah. your young pieces can't turn into young stars if they're only playing half the game because Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham are still there. Right. Jalen Carter can't be this all pro game wrecking ta- uh, defensive tackle that we all think he can be. He's only on the field for half the game. So that's just for me, it's more. Okay, so you're not saying a complete read. Yeah, I, I mean, in the sense of use the fact that you have turmoil right now to turn the page and get rid of the old guard. Yeah. Kind of like, kind of, kind of what happened with Matthew Stafford. Hey, we're bringing in new guys. We don't need to sit here. And obviously the Lions were in much worse worse shape, but we don't need to sit here and have you guys sit through maybe one to two years of transition. Also, you mentioned A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown, I wouldn't be shocked if he's on the move. He he hates it. And maybe a lot of that is Sirianni and a new coach changes his outlook and makes him a little bit more open to staying in Philly. But he hated Sirianni. He's a bit of a diva. Oh, yeah. But yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Total diva, but but yeah. I'll, I will to where this discussion started with the original point. I agree with you. Sirianni has more of a reason, and it would be more beneficial for that team to fire him than it would be Mike McCarthy. Just I think, given maybe some of the age of the players and really what happened to Sirianni without those coordinators, he looked. But at like, the same time, it's hard. Like he he made a Super Bowl last year, and Mike McCarthy has not has not made. Oh, it he hasn't, Super but. I, but I also think, yeah, I, you're right. I just think that I, both of those guys, I think you find yourselves in situations where there is a very, very, very good talent pool right now for coaches. Um, when we'll get into that, I think you take advantage of it. And if you're not fully sold, take advantage of something and maybe go find your guy. Or, uh, or the worst case, at least let Sirianni do what Doug Peterson did, fire everyone. And basically, it's a one last chance. It's a la- it's a it's a nice little tr- one year prove it tryout deal for Nick Sirianni. Right. If you can't get it done, get out. Hmm. Okay, I can get behind that. Uh, and that's it for Wild Card Weekend. Yeah. Um, 
should we get into maybe the previews of next week's games? Just cause, just as we're talking game by game, and then we'll talk with the coaches after. Yeah. All um, right. So Texans Ravens. Yeah, uh, I think this will be an entertaining game. However, I don't really see the Texans competing for a long time. Uh, I just think that the Ravens are too talented and too hot. Now, granted, there is the, there was the bye week, and we've we've always had the rust versus rest debate. Maybe there's something there, but I I think the Ravens win this game, and I think it's one of those maybe convincing ones with like a late touchdown to backdoor cover. Yeah, I actually think this is a nine point spread. I think this is going to be a lot closer game than a nine point spread. Interesting. I think they the Texans have a some flair about them. CJ Stroud's got that deep ball effect. I mean, you want to talk about how good the Ravens' defense has been this year, but the Browns' defense was every bit as good this year, and look what C.J. Stroud did That's to fair. them. That's a very valid argument. Can I also, can I say one thing really funny? I'm sorry to cut you off. So that nine-point spread, I also saw it at nine. It is currently seven and a half on ESPN. Okay. I, I see that going down. down already. That's going to go down to like five and a half. I, w- I wouldn't be shocked, and I think that's perfect to your point where a lot of people are probably saying, that's a lot of points, man. Give me the points. Yeah. Uh, also, I noted, I, I don't know, it's a weird one because Lamar's looked so good this year. The Ravens have looked so good this year. But what Lamar, it's uh, what have you done for me before league? And Lamar has had his playoff woes, and I'm not ready to call the Ravens a true or the true Super Bowl contender in the AFC until I see them on Saturday. That's and a, I that's see a, what Lamar can do. That's an incredibly valid point. When you mentioned that, I think maybe this is one area where the Texans can exploit, where we just talked about, where get ahead. Force Lamar Jackson to have to throw, because that's the thing that he's never done in the playoffs before. Yep. He's run for the playoffs before, but his team has fallen behind, and then he's had to throw, and then he's had to lose. So if, if the Texans want an avenue, get ahead. Um, yeah, but I think I do think the, the biggest thing at the end of the day, though, and why the Ravens will pull this out is – uh, Stroud, rookie quarterback, going on the road for the first time in his playoff career will be the difference. I think he's one of he's one of them ones. He doesn't care. Okay. But okay. Don't, listen, don't get me wrong. I'm rooting for CJ Stroud. I just think the Ravens are a better team, and the, the the talent gap is a little too much for even him to to, to kind of bridge. But I have Ravens twenty four, Texans twenty. Give me. Ravens 27, Texans 20, but it'll be with, like I said, with one of those backdoor touchdowns where it was kind of the Ravens game most of the time they controlled it. And then it was a, hey, we scored a touchdown and hey, we forgot our onside kick. Okay. Packers 49ers. So this is one where I am strongly um, advocating for this. I think the, as cool as the Packers just were and what they did to Dallas. Uh, I think it's an entirely different ball game in San Francisco with a team that we talk about what what running the ball can do for you and maybe the, the kind of the, in the need for passing when you need to. But I think the 49ers control this game with McCaffrey. He had basically two weeks to get healthy. He was listed as a full participant in practice today. Um, San Francisco, I'll, 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 I'm looking at the line right now. It's nine and a half. I think it opened at 10. Give me the Packers plus the points just because that's a lot of points. And I just mentioned the Texans backdoor covering with a touchdown. Being up by 17 or 16 and giving up a touchdown at the end, that's that's I think that's enough. So give me give me the Packers with the points, but I think the San Francisco 49ers win this game 30 to 22. 
Uh, I have 49ers, 34, Packers, 14. I think this is where the magic ends for the Packers. I think uh, this is a flex your muscles game for the 49ers before they head into an NFC championship where they have to get over the hump and get to a Super Bowl. I know they went to a Super Bowl, what is it, three years ago now, four years ago. Um, it reminds me a lot of the Giants last year, the Packers. Um, after beating Minnesota, to go have to play the top seed after getting a surprising win with a young quarterback who's hot, who looks like they have something rolling, and then getting absolutely blown out by the Eagles. I, that's what I see this game being. I, I mean, there's there's some truth to that. Obviously, we've always talked with other teams about kind of the emotional letdown after a nice big win, and you come out a little flat, and they jump on you, and suddenly you're playing from behind. I I, I get behind that. I think, I think we both kind of agree where this is – easily the 49ers game to lose. Bucks Lions. Um this is interesting because I'm confident we can win this game. I don't really want to use the fact that we've already beaten them once as some kind of barometer because that was a completely different game. That was a different season. That was different that was that was a different location. That was different everything. That was that was that was four months ago. That, yep. that, that never happened as far as I'm concerned. I like the fact that against the, the Buccaneers, we have the ability to do what we do, which is run and pass when we need to with a clean pocket. I Just like I was nervous with the Rams, I am nervous for this passing attack. Baker Mayfield, I've noted, we've noted, is playing some of the best football of his life. Mike Evans is a human cheat code, putting up 1,000-yard seasons for fun. Chris Godwin is still a very, very good receiver. Trey Palmer, this little rookie speedster that they found has carved out a nice role. They've got Rashad White, who is a nice little dual threat where he can run sometimes, he can pass. But I just think that this is this is us. Uh, this is the Detroit yep. Lions game to lose. Um, I'm looking at it. We've got we're six and a half point favorites. This number has grown, which means people are liking us. And I like us as well. I think we're – you talk about a flex your muscles game. I think we got the pregame jitters of the Rams out of our system, and I think we've kind of maybe seen a little bit of what playoff football is like. And now this team gets to sit there and showcase what they can really do, and I think they beat the Bucks. Yeah, you made a couple of great points, and I think that we are on paper a much better football team. And there's two things I think that are in the way of the Lions, the only way they don't win this game. Number one is the, the magic Baker Mayfield has kind of brought to the resurgence of his career this year. Um, and number two, and it could be a big bonus for us, is the home game. And will it be a factor again? I think it will. Oh, absolutely. You just hope, as far as the Lions and all the energy around last week, that there's no hangover from winning the first game playoff game in forever that you don't get satisfied that you got over the top. I look at like the Toronto Maple Leafs last year in hockey when their first series in 20, it was 20 something years, not quite as long as the Lions, but close. Uh, and they came out and lost in five games to what on paper was a much worse Florida Panthers team because it felt like they got, once they got over the hump, the job was done. The job is not done. You're not even halfway there if you're the Lions on what your goals are actually supposed to be for the season at this point. Uh, you just cannot come out satisfied without that same hunger you had last week, without that same hunger you had last year, 
And this is where, in this type of spot, this is where you want a guy like Dan Campbell for all the criticism I've had of this year. This is where you want a guy like Dan Campbell to keep them grounded, to keep them gritty, as he likes to say, and keep them motivated. That's what needs to happen if they're going to win this game. I got Lions 27, Bucks 21. I love that. That's everything you said there was perfect. Uh, I I just realized it didn't really give me a, I didn't really give myself a score. Give me the Lions. Give me the Lions 31, Buccaneers 21. So they cover. Oh, they cover. Great teams I, cover. I, I, I went with cover. the safe, great teams cover. I went with the safe bet of right on the line. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Oh, uh, and then the Sunday night game, I mean, they did it again. Bills, Chiefs, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. It's theater in motion. Feels like these. This is the game of the week. It is it the is game. The game of the week. It's, <laughs> it's by far the smallest spread. I think the last time I saw, Bills are a two point favorite at home. Which um, that's kind of interesting, given how good they played, and you factor in the two to three points that you're supposed to give to the home team. They're almost treating this like a pick if not Kansas City, very, very slightly favored, which is kind of crazy considering they're on the road for the first Yeah, time. I think most of – and I honestly think most of that is them banking on the line of thinking that I have and I think most football casuals will have is that Mahomes has owned the Buffalo Bills. Yes, except when Kadarius Tony lines up offsides. Except when Kadarius Tony lines up offsides. But in the playoffs, um, you think obviously last year they didn't play – uh, because Cincinnati got their number at the Bills. But two years ago, the epic showdown that they had where Patrick Mahomes got into field goal position with just 14 seconds left, forces overtime, doesn't even give the Bills a chance to score. Um, I think it's going to be one of those games, again, I really do. Uh, obviously, the Bills come in a lot hotter uh, than the Chiefs, who kind of fumbled their way into the playoffs. Obviously, the cold and going to Buffalo is not going to be a factor at all. Uh, for either team, they're both used to it. Uh, and at the end of the day, I think the Bills, with how they started and where they were at, at six and six, and you mentioned the schedule that they had to overcome to win those last five games. I think this is where they get it done. This is their year to do it. I think they're going to, they were not my original Super Bowl pick, but I am picking them to win a Super Bowl at this point in the season. Wow. Uh, and I have the Bills 27, Chiefs 24, and what's going to be another epic showdown between these two, two of the best in the league. So I have the exact same score, and I have the exact same team going through. I think the Bills win this game 27-24. I think you are set up for a perfect game. You meant We mentioned earlier Rasheed Rice and – kind of what he's done in giving Kansas City a second weapon next to Travis Kelsey. There's obviously there's a, there's Isaiah Pacheco who runs harder than anyone I've ever seen run in my life. However, I do think that they are just going to meet uh one of those immovable objects if you will. And I like the Buffalo Bills here. I think they're the better team on paper. I think they're the better team with momentum right now and they've got the home they've got the home crowd. We, we talk about Patrick Mahomes owning Buffalo in the playoffs. Patrick Mahomes has never played in Buffalo in the playoffs. Yeah. He's always been in Kansas City. So give He's me the Bills. never played on road game. Yeah, give me the Bills. And, yeah, we'll, we'll go from there. All right. So we agree on everything. That's always fun. Yeah. Hey, great minds think alike. <laughs>
So the last thing we need to do, I think, the last thing we need to do is the coach openings. Um, we didn't really mention Black Monday last week just because there was way too, I think there's way too much football to talk about. Uh, to, and there was still maybe some confusion on which jobs would even be open. Um, prime example, nobody thought the Seattle Seahawks would be a job that was open. Nobody did. Yet here we are. We're going to talk about it. So I know, Connor, we were, we were talking beforehand how we, we probably rank the jobs from least attractive to most attractive. I figure maybe we quickly just go through everything or do you, actually let's just, let's just go right into the rankings and we can kind of talk about why we have the job where we have the job. Okay. So we're going from least attractive to most attractive. Yes. That's that. I think that's the, the easy way of going in. And number one is easy. Um, The Carolina Panthers, the Carolina Panthers, who do you want your boss to be? Not David Tepper. That's no, you, awesome. no, you don't. no, you don't. I mean, the only thing I'll say is um, look, there's only 32 of these jobs in football, so someone's going to take it. Um, but it, it's got to suck playing for David Tepper because he micromanages and he's a hedge fund owner and a hedge fund operator who thinks he's a football operator. It's like, dude, let the football people make the, make the football moves. You've got no first round pick this year. You've got no second round pick next year. You have You have a lot of cap space. I guess that's cool. But yeah. you have minimal weapons. Maybe they're a player for T. Higgins. We'll see what happens. But if, does T. Higgins want to go play there? I don't think so. Um, Quarterback. You're, you're, I don't see. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give Bryce Young a little bit of defense here. That he deserves some, but he looked putrid. Yes. No. He didn't. He looked. He didn't look great at all. But he was running for his life behind an offensive line that was atrocious. They yep. had no running game to help him out. You paid Miles Sanders $25 million and benched him four weeks into the season for Chubba Hubbard. Your two what your or your three weapons are DJ Chark, Mr. Injury himself, plays seven games a season. Adam, 34-year-old Thielen, and Jonathan Mingo, who runs around like with a chicken with his head cut off. So I know we all sit here and we love to praise Stroud, but situation has to matter a little bit. Bryce Young did not get a fair shake. And I, I still have some faith that you put some pieces around him. You will get yourself a better Bryce Young. It's just you traded all, you traded some of your ability to put pieces around him. You've got no first-round pick. You've got no second-round pick next year. So it's not, it's, it's not an attractive job. Someone will take it because they have to take it, but it's not an attractive job. Uh, second to last, I have the Tennessee Titans. Interesting. I'll, I'll give. I'll let you give your rationale, and then I'll, I'll I'll talk after. I actually had them a little higher on my list, but now I'm putting them lower. Uh, I just think they're. I'm not sure it, you want to come in and with the security being we have Will Levis as the guy moving forward. So obviously, the most important position is up in the air. Um, they're kind of we're already in the we're rebuilding, but. Uh, I almost said Titus. Um, Mike Vrabel doesn't really tank type era where this team is kind of in limbo, I think. Uh, mm -hmm. They have some pieces, but you're going to have to. Some of the teams I have on this list a little higher are simply farther into like they're. I guess if you're looking at it as a, as a parabola, mm -hmm. a negative parabola, the Titans yeah. are somewhere on this. Okay. And some of these other teams are already at rock bottom. I, I actually that's kind of well, why I think that's one of the that's where I went off a, a lot for the Titans. 
I really like that analogy and it's not going to be enough to get me to change my thing, but I know what you're saying. And I think if the Titans were smart, they probably hire a coach and tell him, listen, um, we've gone quarterback two straight years with like mid round picks that just isn't really panned out. And you know what, to give Will Levis some hope and some kind of credibilities, he did show some flashes when he played. I think that the Titans are in a position where the way this draft is kind of playing out and the way a lot of people expect it to play out. I think they're in prime position to grab themselves a bookend left tackle for a decade paired yeah. with Peter Skaronsky, which they took last year. And kind of have a very, very bad season next year that ends up with a pick that is high enough to take a quarterback. Because I think they pick eighth right now. I don't know the exact number. It's somewhere in the late single digits, which is probably, that's almost certainly out of the realm of the top three quarterbacks. And after that, it's like, do you really want J.J. McCarthy at eight? Do you want Bo Nix, Michael Penix at eight? I would say no. Yeah. Get yourself a line and build build a football team the right way and just say, you know what? We'll deal with we'll deal with the quarterback position later. We're gonna we're gonna build a foundation first. Um, with all that said, I actually had the Raiders as my second least attractive. I think that they kind of find themselves in a similar position to the Titans, where they love Antonio Pierce. They've got Max Crosby. Devontae Adams is there, but how, for how long will he be there? And then afterwards, I think you kind of run into a very big uh, and what they have at their disposal yep. and. I think they finished. Did they finish nine and eight or eight and nine? One of the two. They were right around there. I don't know. In any one. case, I think they their draft pick is a little. It's it's definitely below the Titans, and I think that's probably why I give the Titans slight ability over them. Is just that I think that that draft pick and you'll see a lot of my jobs do correlate with this. I think the Titans uh, or the Raiders having a worse off draft pick affects that kind of team a little bit more with like what a new coach can do. With that said, there's the rumors of Harbaugh. If Harbaugh comes in there, he's a sensational team builder. He'll 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 succeed. Even though there are there are the obvious kind of Max Crosby reports of if Antonio Pierce is not re-signed, I am requesting the trade. Yeah, I, not to to add on to the that with the Raiders, they're my third to last team. Yeah, uh, so yeah. you're paying a you're paying over a hundred million dollars to a quarterback who's your backup at the moment. Yeah, what do you know if there's any outs in Jimmy Garoppolo's contract at any point? I, I, I don't know his contract. I want to say it was it's only a three year deal, which leads me to believe that a lot of it was guaranteed because you don't give out those shorter deals unless I, I just think of like Kirk Cousins type deals. Yeah. And I think of that length. Um, but I don't know this ins and outs of the actual deal. Yep. Um for your fourth worst. Uh, so I said Raiders, fourth worst, I have the Seahawks. They're kind of in the Raiders category for me. Um, I think you're in a blow-it-up category. You don't know what? who that quarterback is. Geno Smith is not the guy. Uh, you do have some young pieces there, especially defensively. Uh, I know you just drafted Smith and Jigma on offense. You do not have a quarterback. Geno Smith has one year left of his deal, and you already proved that he's not going to be the guy moving forward. I think you let him play out the last year of this deal and try to lose. Um, and then you kind of moving forward, assess a rebuild from there. I, I The way they ended this season told me that they're nowhere close to being an actual contender, even in the NFC. With that division, the way it is, with Stafford coming back next year, the 49ers will be just as good. Blow it up. Interesting. I 
we're, we're going to disagree here. I'll, I'll get to my I'll get to my Seahawks talk later. My fourth worst was the Patriots. Oh, I don't even have the Patriots on my list. I totally forgot them. So, I mean, I guess you're technically right because they don't have a head coaching vacancy anymore. They already filled it with Gerard Mayo. Oh, um, that's why. They, yeah, they had the, the they had the kind of whole contractual thing where he was kind of the in waiting. We're going to hire you, which is why they didn't really have to go through an interview process. It was just kind of a hey, we're doing this. Um, I, I mean, I, I think with the Patriots, they obviously hold the number three pick, which gives them the ability to draft what is seen as one of the top three quarterbacks guaranteed, or maybe they want to trade up for someone better, which as we saw with Carolina is not always the greatest move. Or do you want to just take Marvin Harrison, hoping that the bears are not going to do so. I I, I like what the Patriots have just because I think it does give them a lot of flexibility. Um, However, they do. You you talk about kind of needing a bunch of stuff. They've got minimal playmakers. It's pretty much Demario Douglas and squat. Um, Ramondre Stevenson's nice, but I feel like he's injured pretty often. And I think that defense is just getting older and older and it might need a, might need a little bit of retooling. With that said, they did lose Christian Gonzalez early in the season and he was great for the time that he was actually on the field. Matthew Judon is still a good, good edge rusher, but I just think that maybe this is where I mentioned earlier, the draft pick comes into mind for me because the team that I have right ahead of them is the commanders who are right ahead of them in the, in the, in the, in the draft. Yeah. That's who I have next as well. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I just think the commanders where we, I know we've talked about this in the past where they've always been this whole like purgatory mode of you guys are just good enough to win some games, but not good enough to get the highest draft pick. Um, I think the the helpful thing is you got rid of the Dan Snyder curse, yep. the worst owner in the NFL at the time. However, there is a lot of work to do. You traded away both of your defensive ends and Montez Sweat and Chase Young. You have holes pretty much everywhere else. The I guess you, I guess they're decent at receiver. I mean, Terry, scary Terry, Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson form a decent trio. Brian Robinson seems like a good running back, but they could use more obviously they are in they are in position to guaranteed get one of the top two quarterbacks which is huge for them because it's something that I don't think they've really done since I mean I want to say Robert Griffin because he was he was that first round pick but he wasn't even that high of a prospect I remember he was later and even then they still took Kirk Cousins two rounds later in the same draft so I mean, good for Washington that they can finally address that quarterback position and maybe build a team what I in what I would view as the right way. But yeah, I've got the Commanders at five. Yeah, yeah, there. That's also where I have them at. Um, to me, this why it's like you're right. There's just so much to do and there's everything to do basically. But why it's like relatively high on this list for me is it's it's it, it reminds me of the Lions. Uh, with the Dan Campbell hire. Uh, it's a culture hire. You're changing the culture. It's new ownership. It might be a new name. We're going to have a new, hopefully, franchise quarterback it drafted at second overall that you get to kind of define what this organization is going to be for the next couple of years if you get this job. I think it's one of those things where you get to build it up. You know, Obviously, ownership has their say because it's their team. But your way. 
Yep. Uh, and again, it goes back to my parabola example where you're just at the bottom of the parabola. You're, you're by statistics alone, you're there, you can't get any lower. So it's your job to raise it up and you're going to be given the tools to do that with new ownership. So, yeah. And I mean, I, I, I mean, I talk about trading away your defensive ends. You, you got draft picks for that. They have the Chicago yeah. Bears second round pick. They have a third round pick from the 49ers. So they, there is draft capital to quickly build a very good young core. I've heard that this is one of the Ben Johnson hot spots and they really, really like really? him. I think this would be a good place for Ben Johnson to go get a quarterback of his choice. So I'm a little confused. Wasn't the enemy kind of hired to be the coach in waiting? And I know that was kind of during the Schneider era, but I haven't heard, I've heard that it's like for sure not going to be him. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I that, that's that, no, that's a very valid point. You're right. I, I do remember there was something like that, but I, I don't know what happened to the enemy. Um, do you say, oh my God, he couldn't succeed with Sam Howell? Who can? So yeah, maybe it's a little unfair to him, but I have heard that this is a very, very kind of hot spot for Ben Johnson. Okay. So with this said, my number six spot, this is where I said we have a slight disagreement. I have the Seattle Seahawks. Um, I think the Seahawks have a lot of young talent, two tackles who are very good, the Sharp K-9 backfield, DK Metcalf, JSN, and Tyler Lockett is a good receiver trio. On the defensive end, you have two corners, Tariq Woolen and De- uh, Devon Witherspoon, who are good players. I think, and I think that there are situations where, yes, you, I completely agree with you. This Geno Smith experiment failed, where he had that ten-week Lynn Sanity run last season, where my, everyone's like, "Oh my god!" And then I think the NFL kind of quickly remembered, "Wait a minute, this is this is Geno Smith after all." But I think they're in position where they have enough things around already that exist to where you're allowed to take one of the not surefire hits. Where like you can take a Bo Nix, you can take a Michael Penix. You can take a J.J. McCarthy if you want to, that kind of second or maybe even third tier of quarterback, and you have the line to keep them alive. You have a running game to supplement them, and you have receivers so that you're not just throwing to D.J. Chark. So that that's kind of why I, I have Seattle higher than you. May I don't know if maybe you factored all those things in, but I completely agree with your point where if you're if you're under the assumption that you're not going to draft a quarterback this year, it's kind of tough because you're completely correct. If you're not going to run Geno Smith and you shouldn't because we've seen for two years it doesn't work, your only other option is Drew Locke, and Drew Locke's not great. So I I think they take a quarterback early, and it, it is one of those top five or six guys, and they they have the they have the insulation around him to help that guy succeed. Um, I think this would yeah. also this would also be a very interesting Ben Johnson spot, just given what they have yeah what he would like to run i haven't seen any links to it honestly seattle might be one of the few jobs that i haven't seen anyone link to anything yet but i don't know uh the last two i had a hard time deciding between um i have one team as my most desirable spot but i i really want to change it but now I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the reasoning I had. Okay, your uh, second most attractive job is the Atlanta Falcons, and it's because I really think they're a playoff team that they have a cool, any bit of a competent quarterback. Uh, obviously, they have all those weapons that Arthur Smith refused to use, so maybe a new coach can come in and get to play with the toys, so to speak. Um, and in that division, like I said one quarterback you were already a nine and eight or eight and nine team whatever they ended up being 
Um, I think they were seven and ten. Oh, were they seven and ten? Okay. I believe so. Um, anyways, you were kind of right there in that division. The Panthers are not going to be good for a while. I don't really see the Saints improving at all from what they were this year. Um, and why am I blanking on the other team? I think the Bucks. I mean, I don't. Do you really see the Bucks getting better from this year? No. And the other thing that I'll mention is this is one of those things where going into week 18, I believe the Bucks were eight and eight and the Falcons were seven and nine. No, 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 no. The Falcons played the saints. Scratch. Yeah. What I was going to say, I was, I was just going to say the Falcons had a shot to win the division title all the way up until the end of the season. So it's not like, Oh my God, seven and 10 bad team. It's just a bad division. And they could have been the ones to have beaten Philadelphia last week. If two games flipped the other way. I really do. Th- yeah, and I really do think I've said it twice already, but I really do think if Taylor Heineke and Desmond Ritter are not your quarterbacks, that's probably a 10 and 7 team, even under the Arthur Smith regime. Um, it, I look at it as if, you know, who knows what the Bears are going to do, especially since Caleb Williams claims he's not going to play there. Uh, but if you really are going for Caleb Williams and giving up on Justin Fields, Atlanta should pick up the phone in a heartbeat. Oh, That'd yeah. be a great spot for oh, him, yeah. and that would make that spot so desirable. So the um, I guess I was kind of in your boat where I was flip flopping back and forth on these two because of a couple things. I am gonna keep. I I was in the exact same boat as you were. I had the Falcons as my second um, most attractive, but I was flip flopping. And here's what I'll say: You have young pieces around that team. You have young weapons. You have a, a defense that ranked in the top half or the top 10 of pretty much every statistical category. You just need a quarterback that isn't trash and a coach that isn't a terrorist. And once you sort that out, like you say, you can win. You can reasonably win the division for the next two, three years just because of what the Saints are or aren't, what the Panthers are or aren't, and what the Bucks are or aren't. The... Um, what what ended up giving the Chargers the the lead for me was the fact that they do have the quarterback settled, and we talk so much about how it's a quarterback-driven sport. As much as I harp on Justin Herbert, that is still a franchise quarterback, and yep. that's just kind of exactly why, my line of reasoning. Yeah, that's that's why I completely that's or that's why not completely that's why I gave the 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 kind of the benefit of the doubt to the Chargers. However, I will make one point about the Chargers. I don't think this is some dream job. They're projecting no. well, well over the salary cap next year. You do have some aging stars in Khalil Mack, Keenan Allen. What are you doing with Mike Williams when he comes back? What are you doing with Austin Eckler? The offensive line is good enough when they're not dead. I know Rashawn Slater's kind of missed some time, and so the, uh, the other so the other guys up and down the line. You have the number five pick in the draft, which I i mean, I talk about draft picks. That's huge. That is, you know, if you want to solidify your line with the best tackle because you expect the first four picks to either be Marvin Harrison or three quarterbacks, you have the ability to do so. If you want to take one of your favorite weapons, whether it be a receiver in Neighbors or a Dunze or maybe Brock Bowers, you have the ability to do so. If you want to trade down because you think that, you know what, we not we need quantity, not quality. We need a couple of extra second or third rounds, whatever it might be. You have the ability. They there is so much in their hands. It's just there is so much work that needs to be done given that salary cap situation. Yep, it does feel like they are kind of at a crossroads, like you said, with like a lot of aging stars and a lot of bad contracts. 
while still having those pieces, while still, I don't know, like they had so much expectation going into this year that you'd think that they're not going to be a bottom feeder again, you know, if they could they can't return. Be a bottom feeder again, that's not possible. Right. And so. you, know what's, you know what's pretty interesting is this might be one of those classic, like, NFL parody type things. Unless I'm, like, just objectively blanking, they will be playing a last place schedule. They will be playing a last place schedule because neither the yep. Raiders nor the Broncos have a higher pick than them. So they're going to get some easy games, and they they can find themselves in a situation where they're realistically competing with a Chiefs team for the division next year, just purely based off schedule. Right. And this is the this is one of those other Jim Harbaugh hot spots where I know he's already yep. com- com- completed his interview there. There's obviously still negotiations with Michigan going on, but. I just think that this is this is certainly a, a very intriguing job. The quarterback just does that for you. The number five overall pick will do that for you. It's just you've got work to do. And you know what? What head coach doesn't have work to do? So yep. give me, I'll uh, say the Chargers are the most attractive job out there right now. Yeah, and no, I'd agree with that. Uh, you mentioned Michigan and Harbaugh. I think that's a good segue into kind of the coaching regime. Uh, uh, Nick Saban obviously stepped down in college. It's kind of the last big thing we have to get to. Yes. Um Kind of out of the blue, kind of not out of the blue. I knew, I think you knew it was the end of the era that it would, it wasn't necessarily his, he didn't like totally discourage the NIL transfer portal era like some other guys, like Dabo Sweeney comes to mind. Um, but you could tell it was take, kind of taking its toll on him and he wasn't the same Nick Saban in this era. Um, and that it was going to come soon, if not this year. Uh, Still shocking because it was really – I feel like I didn't really hear about it, and it wasn't like he ended on a – I guess you could say SEC championship playoff appearance is a pretty good way to go out, but not in saving form, not when you won seven national championships. Um, it, it, seven and, like, I, I don't know, the last three years have kind of been brutal for them. So what is that, seven and 14 years, 15 years? Something like that. I was just going to say that three-year stretch was the longest he ever went between titles at Alabama, which is outrageous. Um, For me, I actually was completely shocked by this. There was never any rumblings of it. Yes, you understand the older coaches don't have the energy to deal with the newer game and how hands-on it has to be, but not even 12 months ago, he signed a deal through 2030. So I I was completely – I was – fully shocked by this. I know maybe some others, yes, he was getting older. I acknowledge it. I just didn't think that I was like, look, you don't sign until 2030. If you have doubts about this and maybe yeah. he did it, maybe this one season was just so horrific for him that he's got to hell with it. I don't need to do that. He's earned the right to say that. I was just, I was shocked. Um, he is objectively speaking, the best college football coach ever. And yep. one of the best coaches ever at any level, at any sport. Um, I think one of the things that I was going to bring up earlier, uh, that, that I did bring up earlier with kind of the media asking bullshit questions, I, I'll love, especially kind of maybe as we got older and we started seeing more of it and listening to more of it, his, his quotes were great. Um, I think, I, I, I think this was around the two a time where he, they were talking about the media being rat poison and how they just fill their players with like false ideas and how he hates the media. I love that from him because that's so factual the media sits there and creates these stupid things so they can sell clicks on the internet. Um, you had the, one of the, one of the tweets that or tweets, one of the videos I, I saw of Satan surfacing after the kind of the, the 
the retirement was, I think this was after the Jalen Carter situation was where he was talking about how everyone in the world loves tearing down 19 year old kids when they make a mistake. And there's not, there's very rarely a lot of people who are willing to accept that mistake and help them come back from it. That was a great quote. He kind of gives an example of a Michigan state player who made a mistake. And instead of throwing him off the team, he kind of, he, he disciplined him. He obviously understands that there's no free passes, but he, he disciplined him. The guy learned, went on to play 15 years in the NFL. His name's blanking. And I watched the video today and that pisses me off that I can't remember it, but he just, he was kind of that just pearl of wisdom. And there was also the classic moments where, They'll ask him some stupid stuff. And he's like, I'm not going to. So quit I'm not asking. answering that. I'm yeah. not answering that. No, save want me to answer that. I'm not answering that. He was sensational. I think one of the other things in. All right. I don't know how much of this is me, baby, just like building a, a pedestal after the case. But a lot of people love saying, oh, my God, Alabama was cheating before. And now that NIL's here, that's why they can't do it. It's like, I completely disagree. You don't hide anything in college anymore. You don't. There is just way too much access. There's way too much technology. If there was smoke or if there was a fire, there would have been smoke. And for 17 years, there was no smoke out of Alabama. Now, maybe maybe this statement is a freezing cold take in five years when it does come out that they were cheating in the early 2010s. But as far as I'm concerned and until proven otherwise, everything he did was legit. And how many coaches who went on a 15-year dynasty can say that. Bill Belichick got popped for cheating twice. Yeah. One was arguably Tom Brady, but... Yeah. Sure. All right, he got popped for cheating. He he didn't. Pete Carroll got thrown out of USC. Yeah. Or I guess left because he knew what was happening. He was always three steps before the investigation, but how many coaches who were at the top for that long didn't have scandals? And that's just one of those where, you know what? Maybe it is just such a tight-knit ship that it makes the blue wall look like an amateur hour. But if there is fire, there's smoke, and there was never smoke. So kudos. I, I cannot give more respect to Nick Saban, the best coach we've ever seen. Um, I know I've been rambling for a lot now, so I will I will shut the fuck up, and I will turn it over to you. No, it's just uh, it's a weird one because it – we're still like young enough where I feel like our age of sports is still kind of at play. Uh, like a lot of the guys we grew up with or the old guys are starting to play, starting to see that are starting or starting now to retire. And that old age that we grew up with is starting to leave. I look at like coach K uh, two years ago with Duke. Um, Nick Saban's probably right up there with him as the next person for that. I mean, other guys, can you think of anyone else that's kind of part of our childhood that a part of our growing up in sports that is now no longer a part of the, the game. It's been that so. Or, or are you saying that like retired or that is still going down and maybe winding down careers retired? I, I think like, I think of coach K I think of, uh, maybe Roy Williams in North Carolina. I, I think those are the is kind of the two strict, that come to mind. Is this strictly a coach's thing? or No, I mean, players is tough because it's uh, they it, their life cycle is so much. Uh, okay, I see. What you're, that, that's fair. Um, I mean, obviously, Tom Izzo is going to be that guy when it's his time here in the I next mean, couple of years. Mark D'Antonio. Mark D'Antonio. Yeah. He got old. 
Um, yeah. I mean, Jim Beheim. Jim Beheim. Yep. And he, he did not want to go. No. <laughs> he to fought tooth and nail to stay in that little office in, in upstate New York. Um, I mean, Calhoun, but I think maybe he was a little younger. Yeah, Calhoun. Yeah. Um, what do you mean by a little younger? Like he, when we were like, talking. I mean, like I think didn't he didn't he call it quits after the 2011 title? Yeah, but I think he's in his like, like I I say younger than like it wasn't he's necessarily 42. He's 81 years old. Yeah, so I guess I I meant 70. it more. I meant it more of that like he wasn't there throughout our childhood. Like he oh, called okay. it quits when we were 11. So like, okay, yeah, he was there for the childhood, but. Did he really go through it? So yeah, you kind of got to be to be in our like realm. You kind of got to be what like after like two thousand five and to now, basically. Yeah, I think that's probably right. So, I don't know. It's just uh, it's one. It's just a weird day, and like when DeBoer was hired, only like forty eight hours later, it's just gonna be so. It's gonna be one that's so odd to ever associate anyone else with Alabama for people are oh, absolutely. Um, he's gonna he he earned that statue that's gonna come out of, outside of Bryant Denny Stadium. He earned some. He he earned whatever football building or whatever building on campus gets named after him. Uh, I mean, I guess did Michigan State build a statue of him? No. <laughs> <laughs> they gotta get a statue of D'Antonio up first. Yeah. Do you think D'Antonio deserves a statue? I mean, given the ac- or ac- given the standards that we play at for football oh. level, absolutely. Okay. I mean, oh, here's this is one thing that I think a lot of people forget. Over a three year period, we had a better win loss record than everyone in America, not named Alabama, and we were only one or two games below them. That 2013 to 2015, I know you were still a Michigan fan then, so you maybe didn't remember this as fondly as we did, but that was that was one of the three best programs in America over a three-year stretch. You don't fluke your way into that. So Yeah, but like three years. Listen, to that's me, why you I either think, have to win a natty. Hold on. This that's is gonna sound like a Michigan fan. No, that's why I say at our standards. Yeah. <laughs> at, at Michigan State standards, three years being Comparing with everyone not named Alabama, or comparing with Alabama, that's good enough for me. Give them the statue. Sure. I, I don't know. To me, it's like I, I only build a statue for a guy that did that for seven plus years or won a national championship. Fair. No, I, I can't disagree with that. It's just that that's my personal preference. Mark D'Antonio is the best coach that Michigan State's probably seen since the not national titles of the 60s, but like. What about Who Nick Saban? That not me. What about Nick Saban? I can't give Nick Saban props for something he did at Alabama and LSU. No, but what was his record at state? I don't know, was, but it was it wasn't Mark. Yeah, it's Antonio. not good. It's not that good. Six and five, six five and one. They had a tie. Six and six, six and six, seven and five, seven and five, nine and two. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not giving a statue for that. That's Mark D'Antonio right before it happened. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, this has been an incredibly long episode. Yeah, it has. Sorry. We we uh... No, we had we had we had shit to talk about. I I love it. Um however I am getting hungry, so I'm gonna cut it before we hit the rambling stage.
Yeah, good call. We we're starting to get there with Nick Saban. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, as always, um, we got a massive game on Sunday. We are go- I am going to leave you all with Go Lions. Let's go play in an NFC Championship game, ladies and gentlemen.